Well, it's great to be back. Um, we had a great time, Casey, my kids and I, in England, visiting with my family. We tuned in both Sundays uh, that we were gone and watched and uh, joined you online. It was great to be a part of the service from over there, watching over here. But it's good to be back. And... Um, we are kicking off a brand new series this morning, um, and I know I'm going to sound like a bit of an old man, but uh, you kids today, I tell you, you, you don't know how easy you've got it, all right? You young folks out there, you, when you hear a song and you think, I like that song, you just get out your phone, you open up Spotify or Apple Music, whatever it is, and you just click a button and you add it to your playlist, done. It's just so easy. It wasn't that long ago that for some of us a little bit older than you, we had to have um, a computer. This was before phones and iPods. We had to have a computer. We had to find the songs we liked. Uh, some of us were a little bit naughty. We used programs like Napster or LimeWire, and we would, um, we would click on our 56K modem, and we'd choose what song we wanted, and we'd go to bed, and hopefully the next morning it fully downloaded, and then we'd put all those songs together, and uh, we'd put them on a blank CD, and we'd burn that CD. Now, we'd then carry that CD in a small suitcase like this that went in the wheel well of our car, um, and, and that's, that was how hard it was. You know, it wasn't just a click of a button. There was a huge process to create the music that we wanted to listen to. And even that was easy compared to what I had to do when I was a kid, okay? When I was a kid, I had to use this, okay? This is a cassette tape. Um, I'll let you guys uh, come and see it, feel it, touch it afterwards. Some of you may never have seen this outside of a museum. Um, I had to get in front of our stereo on a Sunday night at 6 o'clock because that's when the Top 40 was on. And uh, I would just sit there with my hands on records just waiting for each song to come along. Uh, and if I heard one I liked, I'd record that song on my cassette tape. So inevitably, I had a cassette tape full of songs that always were about two or three seconds late in starting because I'd realized, oh yeah, I like this one, and always ended with a DJ saying, and that was the blessed one from Duran Duran. <laughs> the DJ wasn't American. I don't know why I made him American there, but uh, <laughs> that was American. So, um, but whether it was on a cassette tape or a CD, Spotify, Apple Music, the, the idea behind what we were doing was the same, wasn't it? We were creating a mixtape. We were creating something that was our favorite songs, our tunes. We were putting them all together to listen to. And the great things about mixtapes was that we're in control. We get to decide what that music is. So when we jump in the car one day or when we're out and about, we can decide what mood we're in, and that will dictate what we're going to listen to. Maybe today I'm going to listen to my pump-up jams, okay? I want to really get going. So this has got Guns N' Roses and Eminem. I'm going to work out to this music. I'm going to go for a run. This is going to make me feel really good. Or, or maybe, maybe you're out on a date, so you just very casually pull out the love song. <laughs> a little bit of Boys to Men, Ario Speedwagon, that goes in the CD player, you know, the, the right mixtape for the right mood. Sometimes you just want to listen to just a variety of music. So I have this one, it says a variety of all music, except country, obviously. Um, so that was the beauty of mixtapes, is that you could create your own playlist. And we still do it today. We still use Spotify, we still use Apple Music, and we, we create our mixtapes. Well, did you know... Did you know that right in the middle of the Bible is a mixtape? 
you may not have known this, okay? If you had a physical Bible here this morning and you set it on your table and you allowed it to just kind of fall open right there in the middle, I guarantee you'd probably find yourself in the middle of a book um, called Psalms. And the Psalms are a mixtape. They're, they're a selection. It's, it's a mixtape of different songs and poems right there in the middle of the Bible, 150 of them with all sorts of um, ideas behind them, all sorts of reasons as to why they were written. And it's a fantastic book. And, and if I'm honest, it's a book that we don't visit very often. But there's so much in it. There's a great resource online. It's called The Bible Project. And it's uh, a website you can go to, and they've created these videos. And um, one of the videos they make is, uh, they have all, all sorts of different videos, but one of the um, types of videos they do is kind of a description of each book of the Bible. So I want you to watch just the first few seconds of their opening description of the book of Psalms. So check this out. The book of Psalms. It's a collection of 150 ancient Hebrew poems, songs, and prayers that come from all different periods in Israel's history. Many of these poems are connected with King David, 73, actually, and he was known as a poet and a harp player. But there are many different authors behind these poems. There's the poems of Asaph, or from the sons of Korah, and some are from other worship leaders in the temple. Even Solomon and Moses have their own poems, and nearly one-third of these are anonymous. Now, many of these poems came to be used by the choirs that sang in Israel's temple, but the Book of Psalms is actually not a hymn book. At some point in the period after Israel's exile to Babylon, these ancient poems were gathered together and intentionally arranged into the book of Psalms before us. And it has a very unique design and message that you're not going to notice unless you read it from beginning to end. All right, so that video actually continues on for another six or seven minutes and really breaks down the Psalms as a whole. And, and I recommend you, if you get a moment, uh, look that up online and, and watch the rest of the video. It's really insightful. But I want to show just that opening clip just to really set the stage here for this idea about Psalms because Psalms is a unique book, a unique collection of writings, unlike any other book, really, in the Bible. And I was amazed, you know, as I got thinking about it, just that, the fact that in all my years of teaching and preaching, I've not really ever spent any time talking about the Psalms. Every now and again, I'll mention a Psalm, or, or I might do a message just on one particular Psalm. But I thought, what if this summer, we spent some time looking at the Psalms as a whole, looking at specific Psalms? There are 150 of them altogether. They range in length from the shortest one, which is Psalm 117 at two verses, to the longest one, which is Psalm 119 at 176 verses. They're written by multiple authors, and like all good mixtapes, have various different themes. There are psalms that you can read if you're in a good mood, and you just feel like telling God how amazing he is, and these psalms will lift you up, and they'll just put into words those, those thoughts you've got about how great God is. And then there are actually other psalms. These psalms are called psalms of lament. Maybe things aren't so great, and you can find yourself reading some psalms that really resonate with how you feel because they are psalms of, of sorrow, crying out to God, maybe sadness. So I thought it would be great to spend some time this summer looking at the psalms. So for the next 150 weeks, we're going <laughs> to... 
All right, maybe we won't look at every single one, but at least for the next six or seven weeks, we'll start looking um, at some themes that you can see in the Psalms. We'll look at some specific Psalms. I think you're gonna be amazed. I'm looking forward to this because I've never really dug this deep into the Psalms, so I hope you enjoy coming on this journey with me as we look through the Psalms. But this morning, I thought it was really important uh, to kick off this whole series by just asking a very simple question, and that's, why should we read the Psalms? Why should we read the Psalms? They're so different than any other part of the Bible. Why would we even want to read them? And I came up with three ideas, three, three reasons that I hope will help you as we go on this journey together as to why I think it's important to spend time on a regular basis reading the Psalms. The first one is that the Psalms help us to praise God. The Psalms help us to praise God. If you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, whether you are just beginning this journey or whether you've been walking with him for a long time, Sometimes it's helpful. There are so many things we can thank God for. Beautiful weather, family, a job. There are so many things we can praise God for, but sometimes it's good to have some assistance, to have some help, uh, to find other ways to praise God. And we can find that in the Psalms. It's a way that we praise Him. It's a way that we worship Him. And that's such an intricate part, an integral part of, of what it means for us to be followers of Jesus. So much so... That for many years we've been doing this, this morning we did this, there was a large part of our service that was spent in what we call praise and worship. Normally it's at the beginning, sometimes it's at other times, but we, we sing together. Now there's a reason we do that, there's a reason we worship God. Some of you may, may have thought, well I thought that was just like the warm-up act. I thought that was just to kind of get us in the mood and then Dave comes up on the stage and I had a friend who, when he first started coming to Connect, he uh, didn't go to this type of church growing up, a more traditional church he went to. So uh, I asked him one day, you know, after he'd been coming for a while, you know, what do you think of, of Connect? Do you enjoy it? He goes, yeah, I like it. He goes, I'm still thrown off a little bit by that whole karaoke thing at the beginning. <laughs> I said, well, yeah, that's <laughs> that karaoke thing's pretty important because for us, that's our way of, of singing and worshiping and praising God. And many of us here this morning, these are, are, are us putting into words. As we sing these songs, we're singing about the attributes of God. We're singing about the amazing things he's done. We're singing about what he's done in our lives. In fact, many of the songs that we sing on a Sunday morning, the words, the content, the theme can be found in the Bible. And many of the ones that are found in the Bible can actually be found in Psalms. You can find that some of the songs we sing get their roots from one of the Psalms. There's a whole section of, of Psalms called the Psalms of Ascent that were songs that the Israelites thousands of years ago used to sing loud, used to sing out. So in the same way that we sang this morning, for hundreds of years people have been singing and these Psalms themselves, when they were written, were written um, for people to sing and to worship God. The Psalms of Ascent can be found between Psalms 120 and 134. And here's the reason they were called the Psalms of Ascent. There was a sense of ascent because when they sang them, they, they lifted themselves up and it, it lifted up their spirits. But there was a physical nature to the ascent as well. 
You see, three times a year, uh, the people of Jerusalem, the, the Jews who were scattered all across the, uh, Israel at that time, they would make a pilgrimage. They would come back to Jerusalem. That's where the temple was. So they would make their way from the north and the south, and they would come back on these, these long journeys by feet, thousands of them at a time. And the final part of the journey, as they got to the city of Jerusalem, the final part of their journey would be a 15-mile trek that ascended 3,400 feet to the city of Jerusalem. This, this winding mountain road that would ascend to the city of Jerusalem. And the reason these Psalms were called the Psalms of Ascent was because at this point, um, the people of Israel, the Jews, as they were working their way up this, this 15 mile, and they've already been walking for three to five days just to get to this point. And then the last part of their journey, probably the hardest part of their journey, as they climbed this hill, but their anticipation was rising, the, the excitement was building because they were heading towards the temple where they would worship God, where they would sacrifice. And can you imagine what that must have been like for those people? Gathered together, hundreds of them walking up these roads, singing the words of these psalms that they all knew off by heart. These were songs that they were familiar with. So they would all be singing the same words, the same songs loudly as they climbed these, these hills to Jerusalem. I don't know if you can imagine what that must have been like, but I got a little bit of an idea as to what it might be like. Um, and I know this is probably the worst day to use this illustration, but we're going to go to England here just for a second, because for the last few weeks, England have been part of a, um, a, a soccer tournament, that's like football over there, um, uh, called the European Championships, and last week we played Germany, big rivals, they always beat us, and we won, we beat them in Wembley, a stadium in London, the game's finished, none of the fans are leaving, they're all in the stadium, and all together, they're all singing. Check this out. Special. I, I'm, spe I'm speechless, I don't know what to say. To hear them at the end, I mean, you can't beat a bit of Sweet Caroline, can you? That's a, that's a belter, really. How proud Neil Diamond must be right now, knowing <laughs> I don't know why we sing it. I think it's just a catchy song, and it's a really good one to sing loud in a stadium. But man, imagine being there. I know that's probably not quite as exciting for some of you. It'd be really exciting for me to be surrounded, but to hear thousands of people all singing the same words to the same song at the same time. And that's what was going on. When they were singing these psalms that we read thousands of years later, these were songs that collectively, as a people, they were singing as they ascended to Jerusalem. One of the Psalms of Ascent is Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord's, the maker of heaven and earth. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who minister by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord, singing together. And I think as they were singing these words, their faith was growing because they knew this to be true in their lives. 
one of the reasons we read the Psalms is that they help us to praise God. You know, another really good reason, I think, why we should read the Psalms is that they help us to pray to God. They help us communicate with God. They help us pray to God. The writers of the Psalms, they show us a way to talk to God that sometimes I think we shy away from. You see, in the very heart of why these Psalms were being written, the writers understood this was communicating with God. Psalm 143 verse one says, Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. They are conversations that the writers of these Psalms were having with God. And I think as we write them, they become our conversations with God. But here's what I love about the Psalms and what I'm learning more and more as I'm studying them uh, recently and looking at them in more detail is the variety of conversations that take place between man and God. The variety of subject matters, the variety of topics, but the, the, the common theme seems to be an authenticity, a rawness, a, a realness. In the, These aren't just fluffy words that sometimes they're saying. Some of them, it's the cries of their heart. And it catches the emotions of the people as they're speaking to God, as they're praying to God. Some of them represent prayers that are just telling God how awesome he is. Psalm 8, verse 1. Oh, Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. I think that psalm writer was just thinking, man, maybe he was on a mountain when he was writing it, saying, God, you are amazing. But then you find other psalms. This psalm was written by David at one of the low points of his life. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. I love the reality there, the authenticity of saying, you know, if this is one day going to end up in the Bible, I should probably say some good things. But in that moment, David said, God, it just feels like you're a million miles away. And maybe you've been at a point in your life, maybe you're there right now, whereas you heard the words of that psalm, you're like, I could pray that prayer. That prayer could have been written by me with what I'm going through right now. God, it feels like you've abandoned me. Why are you so far away when I groan for help? There are psalms where you can pick up some, some anger and some rage. People crying out to God for themselves and for others. Psalm 17, one, Lord, hear my plea for justice. Listen to my cry for help. Pay attention to my prayer for it comes from honest lips. Several of the psalms have this, this theme of justice and people crying out saying, God, this isn't fair. This isn't right. We want to see justice. And I think even today, 2,000 years later, we can see ourselves in situations, we can see our world in situations where we, we could pray those prayers ourselves, God, we want to see justice done. And sometimes, sometimes that raw emotion comes through in such a clear way in these Psalms that you're almost feeling embarrassed reading it like, man, I... 
I wonder if this guy knew that we were all gonna hear the words that he prayed. Psalm 28, verse four. Give them the punishment they so richly deserve. Measure it out in proportion to their wickedness. Pay them back for all their evil deeds. Give them a taste of what they have done to others. We talk a lot, don't we, in the New Testament about Jesus' teachings and loving our enemies and forgiving one another. And then this psalm is in there and it sounds like somebody's pretty mad. Pay them back, God. Give them what they deserve. But when it comes to prayer, I think the common theme throughout all these psalms is that you get to hear what people really feel. They're not glossed over. They're not, um, you know, putting on any airs and graces. This is whether it's a high or a low. This is how the people are feeling. And that's why I think as we spend time reading the Psalms, we're gonna find ourselves sometimes reading a Psalm that completely connects with what we're going through in our lives. And it becomes more than just a Psalm, more than just a song, more than just a poem. It becomes our prayer. These words become our prayer to God. It's like, instead of us reading the Psalms, the Psalms are reading us. Saying, God, this is me. This is what I'm going through. And God wants to hear that from us. God wants us to be real with him. The Psalms help us praise him. The Psalms help us pray. But you know what else they help us do? They help us understand Jesus better. They help us understand Jesus better. Now, this may not have been something you thought of when you were thinking about reasons why we should read the Psalms, but it actually helps us understand Jesus better, which is great because here at Connect, that's one of the most important things we think there is, to understand and know Jesus better. If you're here this morning, you've yet um, to make a decision to follow Jesus, you're, you're still checking things out, maybe you were invited as a, uh, by a friend or family member, you're, you're still kind of kicking the tires, checking out this whole church Jesus thing. Our desire is that you will meet Jesus, that you will have a relationship with him. I think he'll change your life. If you're already a follower of Jesus, my desire, our desire here at Connect, is that your relationship with him would grow and grow. You would get to know his love and his grace and his mercy and his presence in your life more and more every day. So with that being the case, everything we talk about on a Sunday morning, everything in our groups, they're all kind of pointing towards helping you get to know Jesus better. So when we look at the Bible, the whole Bible, we can find Jesus in. At the very beginning of the Old Testament, there's a portion called the law. It's the first five books of the Bible, the law of Moses. And the law of Moses was God creating this structure to um, build a relationship between him and his people. There were the Ten Commandments. There were sacrifices that needed to be made. There was a, uh, a temple. All of this was going on to create this structure that was a, a foreshadowing of who Jesus one day would become. The law was temporary. The law wasn't meant to be the final version. It was meant to kind of set people up so when Jesus came, he would fulfill the law, set people free from death and sin, and would just be kind of a physical representation of what the law was meant to be in the first place. So that's, that's the law. Then following that, in the Old Testament, there was a section called the prophets. Uh, the prophets um, basically prophesied that one day a Messiah would come, that one day somebody would come, and they were talking about Jesus. So you've got that talking about Jesus, that talking about Jesus. Then the New Testament, you've got these first four books called Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were the Gospels, and they literally talk about Jesus. They are the stories of his life. 
And then the remainder of the New Testament, much of which was written by a guy called Paul, that's talking about Jesus and his teachings and how we can apply them in our lives. But between the law and the prophets, you've got these 150 Psalms. And I think we think, well, well, this part's about Jesus, this part's about Jesus, this part's pointing us towards Jesus, and then you've got these, these Psalms. But Jesus didn't think of them like that. Jesus knew they were just as important. Listen to what he said himself, Luke 24, 44. Then he said, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms must be fulfilled. Jesus said, listen, this stuff that you Jews, you're familiar with, the law, the prophets, they were all pointing towards me. But you know what else was pointing towards me? The Psalms. Even those songs that you sing together, songs that you sing as a community, even those songs were pointing towards me. And as we study the Psalms, we're going to start to see the life of Jesus coming through in these Psalms. So I'm going to be honest with you, this, this last few weeks I've done a lot of reading, I've done a lot of reading the Psalms themselves, other books, studying, and I'm getting more and more excited as I learn more and more about these Psalms. We're going to hear so much about God's love, mercy, grace, we're going to hear about Jesus and how he plays out, and, and there's going to be so much practical application that's going to come from the Psalms. So the, what I want to do just to kind of finish the service out this morning is to give you guys a little bit of homework. So there is a, um, a, a translation of the Bible uh, written by a pastor named Eugene Peterson. It's called The Message. You may have heard of The Message. Um, the very first portion he put together were the Psalms. And when you read the Psalms, it's, it's, uh, it, it, they're great poems, songs, books to read. But when he translates it, he translates it in a really unique way, a real modern way. So whether you have a physical Bible, whether you have the Bible app on your phone, whether you go onto your computer, try and find the message and just start every day reading four, five, six, 10, 15, however many Psalms you feel you can handle in each sitting. Maybe you have a pen and a piece of paper or a document open on your phone or your laptop and just write some notes if there's something that sticks out, something that stands out. If you did that throughout the month of July, you could get all the Psalms read in one month. That's my goal. I'm going to read all the Psalms in July, every single one of them. And I'm going to read them thinking, God, as I read these, help me grow in my way of praising you. Help me learn more of how to pray to you. And help me see more of Jesus in my life through the words of these Psalms. So I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll take that challenge on. If you're watching online, I hope you'll do that also. Uh, it'll be a great journey to go on together over the coming weeks. 